Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum and is titled, The Sarcoidosis PAH Patient, A Rare and Challenging Situation. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives. Hello. Today we're discussing sarcoidosis as one of those causes of pulmonary hypertension which is really underrepresented in our clinical trials. I'm Valerie McLaughlin from the University of Michigan, and I'm joined today by my friends and colleagues, Dr. Sudar Rajagopal from Duke, Iwana Preston from Tufts, and Rich Krzyzewski from Duke as well. You guys, thanks so much for joining me. Iwana is our only pulmonologist here. Do you, you probably know the most about sarcoid of all of us. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the, the histology and the basis of sarcoidosis? Well, um, uh, sarcoid is a, a fascinating disease, and it can affect the lungs uh, in 90% of patients with sarcoidosis. Um, and within the lungs, it can affect the interstitium, it can affect the uh, bronchial uh, tree, and the pulmonary vasculature. Um, there is a subpopulation of sarcoid patients who develop pulmonary vascular disease that is very um, similar to our group 1 PAH patients, and uh, those are the patients in whom we can focus on treating uh, with targeted therapy. But if you look at the histology, um, if you ask me, it's very similar to, sar- to uh, scleroderma in the sense that the uh, granulomas of sarcoid involve the precapillaries, the capillaries, but also the venules of the pulmonary vasculature. So it's a much more in- uh, extensive vascular involvement. So it's, to me, that sounds like it can cause pulmonary hypertension in a lot of different ways. Do you want to review that for us, Rich? Sure, Val. So obviously it's a complex disorder. It's also a big mimicker of a whole variety of different disorders. It can not only cause pulmonary hypertension, but it can cause systemic disease as well. I mean, sarcoid is a very complex disorder. But as far as pH goes, Val, it can can affect almost any type. So you can have group 1 disease, of course, which is what we're mainly focusing on today because that responds to advanced medical therapies. But similarly, you can get sarcoid-related heart failure. That's not unusual. You can get a cardiomyopathy from sarcoid. And that's important to distinguish, particularly before you start Uh, advanced medical therapies for pH because it could be a mixed picture. You can get group 3 disease, which Awana very appropriately talked about. I've certainly seen my even share of patients with thromboembolic phenomenon related to sarcoid. And finally, the group 5, and the reason it's been grouped into group 5 because the mechanism is still not well understood. So really, you could place it into any of those five groups, but ideally, you really want to look for a group 1 component before you start treating with these therapies. Right. So again, you're you're right. I mean, it's in group five primarily because it is multifactorial. And so it can cause any any of those types of pulmonary hypertension, I think. Sudar, what's your approach? Like, let's say you get referred a patient with known sarcoid. Again, as Iwana said, they almost all have pulmonary involvement. So, you know, this has happened to all of us, right? They're followed by pulmonary. You know, they feel like their shortness of breath is worse, but the pulmonologist says the sarcoid's stable. What's your approach to that patient? So in general, the real focus is on diagnosis here and that diagnostic approach. The right heart cath is critical here because you really want to see that 
high PVR that you'd expect to see in group one pulmonary hypertension. Um, ideally, also, you, you don't want to see a high wedge, which would suggest that you have, uh, you know, cart, uh, sarcoid involving uh, the heart, but you could also rule out using PET or cardiac MRI. Looking at the PFTs and trying to assess what degree of parenchymal lung disease they have. Although, I think we've all had experiences in treating even patients with significant parenchymal lung disease with sarcoid. If they have a high PVR, they could still even have a response to pH-specific therapies. And then it's really about starting uh, low and going slow in terms of treating these patients, being careful. Once you've made that decision that they have a significant precapillary component to their disease, you can start therapy and, and just be careful in ensuring that they're not developing worsening hypoxia and that they're responding well. And there are some observational studies uh, from Hap Farber's group from the University of Chicago and from Duke that have shown that patients can tolerate these therapies well and even have some uh, improvement in their hemodynamics and in TPROPNP. Yeah, that, that's great. Rich, anything we should be aware of when we do CAS, any hemodynamic pearls you, you want to highlight for these patients? Yeah, I think the same pearls I often talk about for everybody, and that is, you know, sometimes we get to these patients late in the day and we're doing a hemodynamic assessment, and we probably don't assess the LV diastolic component as well as we should. So, you know, giving them a volume challenge is not an unreasonable thing if there's any question about their myocardium not being normal. Um, and I oftentimes use the vasodilator challenge the same way because, you know, in somebody who is you know, low volume state, you know, you can actually identify this by increasing pulmonary blood flow and their wedge goes up or LVDP goes up, you're, you're recognizing there's other disease that's present. Right. So good, good pearls. So Iwana Suter uh, kind of said, you know, there's a little bit of data, some observational data. So how do you, how do you take that and approach it in, in your clinical practice? Do you still kind of do risk assessment the way we do in group one patients? Do you try to stick with the therapies that maybe have been included with registries? Like just on a practical basis, what do you do every day with these folks? It's a good question, Val. So for the screening uh, uh, purpose for these patients, a uh, decreasing six-month walk test uh, coupled with a new or worsening desaturation during exercise is a trigger for me to think about pulmonary vascular disease in sarcoid. And then we go uh, for a careful right heart catheterization assessment. But once we diagnose pulmonary vascular disease in these patients, we treat very similarly with group one. And be cognizant that any underlying interstitial lung disease that they may have may contribute to the side effects of our treatments. But all in all, in my experience, is that they do respond well to pH therapies. Do you, I, I don't know about you guys, I kind of bucket these patients, right? I, I, I'm not a pulmonologist. I don't see a lot of these patients, but the ones that get sent to me, they get sent because they have PAH. So, so you know, acknowledging that they technically kind of fall under group five, when I see the patients, I kind of say, you're a lot more like a group one. You've got a mean PA of 50 and a low cardiac index and a PVR of 10. You're a lot more like a group one. Or you're a lot more like a group three. Maybe you've had sarcoid and now you've developed a little bit of pulmonary hypertension and your mean PA is 30 and your PVR is 4.5 and you really look more like a group three to me. And so that's kind of how I bucket them in, in practice and then I kind of treat them accordingly. You, you know, we, we have to be very clear. 
like none of the therapies have been officially studied or indicated in these folks, but but in clinical practice, I treat that you know those former patients very aggressively, like I treat the group ones, and we've even had patients on parenteral prostanoids in 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 that population, and the group threes or the ones who fall uh, more like that, I I tend to use you know perhaps more of an inhaled prostanoid. Do you guys approach it the same way, or any anything to add to kind of my simple view of the sarcoid patients? No, I think you're right. If one of these patients ends up in your hospital in the ICU with right heart failure, you know, due to pH, uh, trying them on parenteral prostanoid is, you know, very reasonable. And sometimes you can see amazing responses. Usually you know pretty quickly whether it's working or not. Yes. The other thing is there are a couple of ongoing clinical trials focusing on sarcoid pH that I recommend our uh, colleagues refer their patients to. Oh, that's a, that's so we a can great point. learn more. Yep. That's a great point. Well, Sudar, Iwana, Rich, this was a really interesting conversation. It is a group of patients who, you know, very complex, lots of different contributing factors, and, and that's probably one of the reasons that they're not included in clinical trials uh, very often, but important for us to address. So thank you today for joining me, and uh, thank you. I hope you enjoyed our conversation on sarcoidosis patients and pulmonary hypertension. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.